Well, I don't know if you guys are watching the news uh, very often, but uh, if you were watching last Sunday, there was an incredible thing that came out. If you were in Hawaii Sunday last week, you would have received a text in the morning, and it would have said something like this, there is an incoming missile, this is not a test, go and seek shelter immediately. Can you imagine getting that on your phone? Like, I, I was just going through my head, what would you do? What would you do? I heard about one guy, he said, I was in a buffet, everybody cleared out, I just started eating my way through as much as I want, I just going for it. So that's my question to you tonight. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, look towards somebody next to you and say, what would you do if you got a text like that? Go for it, 30 seconds. Okay, let's bring it back in. I, I don't know if you realize this, it took 38 minutes to get a second text to hear that this was a false alarm. I don't know, 38 minutes, that would have been terrifying. Whatever you might have talked about, I can almost guarantee that you would have said something in regards to relationship. Maybe it was between you and God having a a little chat, getting things set right. But maybe it was also you wanting to make a phone call, to make that last phone call. Say, hey, I love you. I care about you. But whatever it is, it probably had to do something with relationship, community. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. The the practice of community. And I want to start with this quote by the artist Vincent Van Gogh. He once said this. I dream of painting, and then I paint my dream. When I was about 10 years old, I saw a bike in the store, and I fell in love with this bike. It was a manly bike. I was so excited when I saw it. It had 32 gears on it. It was gray, big, perfect. And I didn't have enough money for it, so I I put what I had down on it, made a deposit, And I was using my paper route money each week just to go back, put a little bit more down, a little bit more down. And while I was delivering my newspapers every week, I was thinking about that bike. I was dreaming about that day that I would ride it down the street. All the boys would look up and say, that, who is that guy? That's me. And I'm thinking, you know, the wind's going to be blowing through my air. People are going to be cheering my name. What a boy. What a bike. And one day I walked in, I made the final payment, and I took that thing home. I was in love. It's incredible that when we get our eyes focused on something that has taken our attention, suddenly our lives begin to revolve around it. Suddenly we start thinking about it all the time. We start dreaming about it. We start talking about it. And it might be a bike It might be a job, it might be a relationship, an upcoming vacation. But when something captures our attention, we begin to be shaped by the object of our focus. Or as Van Gogh put it, I dream of painting, and then I paint my dream. Now, we're in the last part of our Get Set series where we've explored the spiritual disciplines of of the practice of prayer, the reflection on scriptures last week with Joe, doing a brilliant job. And today, I'm wrapping up with the practice of community. Now, if both prayer and biblical reflection help fix our attention on Christ, it's in community where we discover how to express what has captured our attention. 
Matthew 10, 27 puts it like this. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered to you in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. In other words, it's saying this. The dreams that God has given to you in those spaces of prayer and biblical reflection, live these things out. Practice these things in community. Perhaps following Jesus in the year ahead won't be too unlike an artist who's fixed their eyes on something beautiful and then moves to recreate what's inspiring their heart. Now, an artist won't ever go along without checking in with the real thing or just won't look right. But neither will the artist complete the task only staring at the object. We might not get all the strokes right in the year ahead as we practice community, but slowly as we practiced it, the image of the source will emerge in our task. Can you hear what I'm saying for the year ahead? For the year ahead, Christ is our source. He is the real thing. And He has already given us our task of painting Him into our everyday life as we practice community. He says this in John 13, 34, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this Everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Now the heartbeat of community is continually being driven forward by our awareness of God's fierce love towards us. And so often this word community, it just gets watered down because it's overused, it's misused, it's misunderstood. The word causes some people anxiety because it sounds like we're going to add something into their busy schedule. And others feel anxious because they've been disappointed by their community. They've been let down and they're not sure they're going to try it again. But a Christian perspective of community never begins with one another at all. It begins with the source. God Himself who reveals His own nature in community. Father, Son, Spirit, moving in love with one another. The Father sends the Son. The Son sends the Spirit. The Spirit invites us into community, a new life with Him. Jesus talked about this in John 17, 22, about this invitation of community. Just listen to how powerful these words are. It says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This glory that Jesus is speaking about is his title, Son, Daughter, child of the Father. Can you hear this invitation of community that we're invited a part of? Because it makes all the difference in the year ahead. If we were to dig deeper into John 13, the setting of the story reminds us that practicing community is both costly and rewarding. The disciples had gathered that night where Jesus was going to be betrayed. 
to celebrate a Passover feast. Now, Jesus knows he's about to be betrayed. He knows he's about to be crucified. And yet, he takes off his outer robes and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. It was the role of a servant of that day. How many of us know it's easier to love people when we think they deserve to be loved? It's true. This was a mixed bag of followers with Jesus. They were a messy bunch, his little community. Just think about it. You have James and John. They've asked for special privileges with Jesus. Said, treat us different, treat us special. The other ten hear about it, and they are angry. They're upset that they've asked for this sort of thing. You've got Matthew, who's a tax collector, sitting at this table. He's working with the Roman authorities. And on this side, you've got Simon the Zealot. He is violently opposed to Rome, willing to make some bad things happen to make sure they get kicked out. Because this is, this is going to be one awkward table, right? Please pass the potatoes and please don't kill me. Then you've got people like Peter. Peter is talking big like, Jesus, I'm never going to let you down. I'm never going to drop things. I'm never going to let you go your own way. You know, I'm, I'm for you. Next day, I don't know. And then you've got Judas. He's ready to sell Jesus out for a few coins. This was a mixed bag of people. And this is his community. He knew all this. And he's washing their feet. And you can imagine him saying this. Love one another as I'm loving you. By this, everyone's going to know that you're my followers, my disciples. If you love one another like this, So what's he saying about practicing community? Love one another as I have loved you. Can you hear the source of community? Our strength to practice it begins with God, not others. Because Jesus right away makes himself the model to follow. And when it comes to loving others, his eyes are fixed on the Father, not the behavior of people around him. It makes you wonder how many of our relational issues would resolve if we were willing to lay down our selfish agendas and ask God how we're going to move forward. When our willingness to love others is being dictated by someone else's behavior, we're always going to end up disappointed and frustrated because we're never going to live up to our expectations. But when we look to Jesus, He shows us another way. That when our eyes are fixed on Him, we are then empowered beyond our limitations, beyond what we thought was possible that we could give to love those that don't even deserve it. That's Christ in us. That's when you know God's at work in our life. We have to come to a point in our relationships where we can say, my behavior isn't going to be dependent on what they're going to do. I'm drawing from a new source of strength. And it's not easy. And sometimes we love people not because we feel like it. We know in our hearts it's not just us and them in the room. There's also Him. And so we're willing to make a sacrifice to say, this is for you, Lord. I'm going to trust you even when it costs me. 
Even when I think it's beyond what I can do, I'm going to choose to love you by loving them in this moment. And Jesus says this isn't easy. He says this in John 5, 19. He says, I can't do all this by myself. This is beyond me. I'm just doing what I see the Father doing. Love one another as I have loved you. Can you hear the passion? The word love is so passively thrown around these days, I I begin to wonder that, are we really getting it? The fierce passion behind it. So often we sit next to people that we're meant to love and we think, well, I guess I'll tolerate their their behaviors when when they embarrass me, the smells they make, the things they do. I I guess I, I won't kill them. And we say things like, yeah, I'll just grip my teeth and say, the Lord bless you. I'd like to lay hands on you right now and pray. (laughs) Jesus' love wasn't like that. He came at us with a relentless love, a passionate love, a pursuing love, a life-giving love. It came at a cost. It was relentless. It was fierce. What wouldn't God do to prove His love for us? The cross was the ultimate gamble in which God was saying to us, even now today, I'm all in for you. I'm all in. Are you in for me too? And to a broken bunch of misfit followers with suddenly clean feet, he says, love one another as I have loved you. That's a tall order. And if you're thinking, that's not me, that's impossible. I, I don't even like people most of the time. I'm just getting by here. And I might say, yeah, maybe that's not you yet. But there's something powerful that happens when you draw closer to the Father. Suddenly you begin to reflect His kind of love. You can't even help yourself. I wonder if you've ever gone for a long run outside or maybe a walk, a New Year's resolution. You go out there and you're giving it all you got. And then you come into the house and I see Beck. And I start going out. I'm, like, I'm ready to hug her just as soon as I come in. She's like, don't you come near me. I know you're sweaty. I know you're hot. Don't you even come near me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sweaty. I'm hot. I've been running outside under the sun. Of course, you're going to feel its heat. And sometimes we need to go into those difficult conversations that we're about to have. Those circumstances after running with the Son, spending time with the Father, and suddenly we were empowered to love like He loves in a way we never thought was possible. Suddenly we can enter the room and people can feel the heat. They know something's different. And you get to have fun. You get to just chase them around. Here we are. Something new. God's love. I mean, the analogy begins to break down somewhere around here, but I think you know what I'm saying. I'm saying that God will empower you for the task here in our everyday lives when you draw closer to Him here. It begins to look like the real thing. We begin to offer anything less than drawing from that sort, that source, that, that passion, that love. Suddenly we're just filling our calendar again with more social occasions. Suddenly it's just another, another coffee with somebody. I need more than just coffee. I need coffee. But I need more 
than just coffee. That's the kind of church family we have here. You see it sprouting here, there. Glimpses of the Father, Son, Spirit as we love one another. I don't know about you, but I knew when Christ entered my life, something good was about to happen. Something was about to change. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Something good was afoot. And I long for more days that our church becomes known for this, that when we go into the community, when we step into the office, when we step into into our, our neighborhood, people know that something good is about to happen because we have more than just nice feelings for them. We're more than just a tolerance for their weird behaviors. We passionately desire that people will come to a life to what God has in mind for their life, that they would realize their potential to grow and be transformed by His presence. In Psalm 119, it says something amazing in verse 74. And I only read it this morning. I'm like, thank you, Lord. It says, because my hope is in your word, because I'm drawing close to the source, the real thing, people rejoice when they see me coming. We need to see more of that in that city, in our neighborhoods, the places we're going each day, that people would rejoice and celebrate. By this kind of love, everyone will know you are my disciples. I was recently out on a street team project and we were working on one person's house and they had a tree. It was overhanging a fence in their neighbor's yard and we were cutting down little bits and pieces and some of the clippings fell onto the neighbor's yard. And everyone looked at each other, said, Ryan. So here I go. I'm sending, knocking on the door early in the morning to ask permission if we can clean it up. And uh, right away, the lady opened her door and she said, I've been watching you. I've been watching you guys. And I figured you, you must be some of those Christians. I could tell right away. You just, you looked like the kind. She said, I've been watching you. And, and I figured who you are. I've never gone to church. It's not me. But when I see how you care for people... I do think it would be good to come and visit. I don't really know what you guys are always talking about, but I love the way you love people. (laughs) There's something so attractive about practicing community in these sorts of ways. Loving each other the way Christ loved us. And people know when God's goodness draws near. They might not be able to put their finger on everything, but they know something good is afoot. The heartbeat of community is driven, driven by our alignment with God's love. But growing in community means we get set with a few practical strategies for the year ahead. It's going to start like this. Number one, start where you are. Some of you are thinking to yourselves, you have no idea, Ryan, how busy I am. I've got lots on. I've got places to go, things to do, people to see. I've got no more time in my life for community events. And if that's you tonight, I've got good news. Jesus, our own model, didn't attend community events so much as he seemed to create them. If you were to read the Gospels, 
you would often hear a turn of phrase that goes something like this. While Jesus and the disciples were on their way, something happened. An interruption. A need. A situation. A friend called. An opportunity came up. Jesus suddenly grabbed the servant's towel and he washed our feet. It was incredible. Suddenly, an event has occurred. Now, Jesus wasn't exactly an event planner, but an event seemed to happen around him because he was always ready to reveal the Father's love. Wherever he went, ready to love. And this week, every one of us is going to be along our own way to work, walking the dog, talking to a friend. You need to be aware that God has strategically placed you in opportunities where you get to reveal the Father's heart along your way. This is the task. He is the source. Back and forth. Number two, find your companions. You will never go far following Jesus without companions along the way. The Bible talks about ironing, iron, ironing. <laughs> Doesn't talk about ironing as far as I know. Iron sharpening iron. Just sharpening one another in community. You know, David had Jonathan. Paul had Timothy. Jesus had his three close companions with Peter, James, and John. A companion is someone who will go the distance with you, the long way. When everyone's fed up with you, they're going to stick around. You know, when the crowds were leaving Jesus at one point because they didn't like something he had to say, and they're all walking away, Jesus turns to Peter and says, you don't want to go away too, do you? Now, Peter doesn't say, I totally get what you were saying in that message. I'm following you. I'm tracking He doesn't say, I want to stay with you even. He simply says, where else would I go? I'm totally with you. I'm with you all the way. A companion will laugh with you. They're going to cry with you. They'll visit you when you're in the dumps. They'll cheer when you have a victory. They know how you really are, and they'll tell you how it really is. They have access to your life. You can always be yourself around them and you never feel tired when they go home because you are just being you all along. A companion knows your history. They know where you've been. But they are always calling out your destiny. They know where God's going to take you. And they encourage you each time they see you. They're calling out the places God wants you to go in the year ahead. Getting set for community means finding a small number of companions along the way. And it might even be just one person. These are the people that are going to feed into your life so that they will help us practice community in the wider setting when we are sent to reveal the Father's love in those places. A couple of weeks ago, a bunch of River Life folks were sitting around the tables out there, and every single one of us could point out companions that helped us grow to that helped us grow to become the people that we are today. And if you're not sure how to find a great companion, if you're not sure even how to become a great companion, I'm going to let you on a little secret tonight. Two words. First easy step. It's this. Get involved. Get involved. 
That might mean for you coming on Friday nights for a young person, being here, getting involved, getting active, developing friendships, getting to know people. You know, starting next week, you look in the back of your bulletin, there's sign-ups for growth, sorry, life groups. You can get involved there. Get involved with the life group. If you don't have community yet, that's where you can start. And while you are there, and while you are practicing these disciplines that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, you've been praying, you've been reflecting on scriptures, suddenly you are going to be, kind of be able to recognize Christ-like character in people around you, even growing within yourself. And when you recognize it, those are the people to grow with, people headed in the same direction. Begin to love one another as Christ told us to love. Take an example of how this might look like in the companionship between, between Jonathan and David. You read about it in 1 Samuel 18. It reads like this. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. He loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and even his belt. This sort of companionship is reflecting God's own heart. And if you think about it, it's almost like you can hear the echoes of Christ already in it. Because Jonathan is the son of a king, King Saul. And so here he's taking off his royal robes to give to David, who at this time is just a poor shepherd. And he exchanges robes, takes the place, because he loved him. And if you read further on, you'd find it further on in the story, you'd find that there's a time where Jonathan protects David's intimate secrets. He won't reveal where David's hiding. Because Saul's going to kill him. And even at risk of his own life, he's not willing to share that information. And you see even in another example that when Jonathan has the potential access to be king of the land, where the people are going to celebrate him, where people will come and bow before him as king, he defers to David and promotes him instead. Sacrificial love. There's trust, love, unwavering faithfulness. These are the sorts of companionships we are to promote and seek in our Christ's life love for one another. Lastly, growing in community means being willing to embrace growth. You look back to that scene in John 13, and we remember that Jesus is washing feet all the while knowing that he's about to go through the greatest challenge of his life. He's about to be crucified. And most of us, if we were in that position, we would be so completely upset, self-absorbed with what we're about to do. We'd be thinking about, you know, people are about to kill me. My friends are about to abandon me. They don't understand me. They don't even love me. Oh, woe's with me. My life's over. But Jesus sees the problem as an opportunity. He knows they're going to remember what he did that last night. 
His eyes are focused on the Father, not what's happening around Him. Some of us will be going through all sorts of relationship issues right now. And we'll be thinking, how are we going to get through this? But I want to tell you that for every problem we encounter, there is a divine opportunity for growth. Nobody wants the problems. Nobody wants the problems. Even Jesus said, is there any other way than this? I don't want to go to the cross. If I have to, though, Lord, I will. We need to realize that the problems that we are facing today in our life might just be the solution to get through tomorrow. Embracing growth today will make us stronger to face the greater challenges ahead. Maybe you're on a a New Year's health kick. And maybe you know that if you won't run the 2Ks today, you're not going to be able to run the 5Ks tomorrow. Jesus didn't make a one-time decision to reflect God's love to the world. It came day after day, costly choice after choice, sacrifice to love people as the Father was telling them how to love. And he was led to places he would rather not go. Is there any other way but this cross? But on the other side of that yes to the Father, saying, yes, I will go, the greatest challenge brought out the most glorious solution. There was life on the other side. So be encouraged that whatever you might be going through, the sacrifice you make for the Father to love people might just make the difference for a better tomorrow in your home, in a workplace, in your church, in your neighborhood, and beyond. And that choice will ripple through history and transform lives over and over, generation to generation. I know for many people sitting here tonight, choosing community is not an easy thing. There are people that are sitting here that have felt burnt by community, felt abandoned by community, that they feel lonely even when people are sitting around them. They feel counted out. Tonight I want to tell you that the invitation begins with a community with God. He is the source. He is the real thing. And he had stopped at nothing. He would go to any length to make sure you knew that you would hear this message, that you are loved, you are invited, you are a part of his community. Van Gogh said, I dream of painting, and then I paint the dream. But God has a dream for us as well, a dream of community, a people reflecting his own love in our life together that we would experience His presence in the way we love one another, another means of grace in our life. It's at the cross where Jesus made this community a possibility. He said something incredible. 
as he hung there. As the world was in chaos around him, he looked to his mother who was in the crowd. And he looked to one of his best friends, John. He said, today, I'm making you family. I'm making you part of my community. Father, Son, Spirit. He said, today, this is your mother. Today, this is your son. Love one another as I have loved you. Hebrews 12, 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God because he knew a new community had begun. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can draw close to the source tonight. That we can go deeper. We can go further. And as we come close and draw near to you, you empower us for this kind of love with one another. This love that pursues, brings life, is passionate, will not stop, will not fail. And so we draw close to that source tonight. And I pray that it would reframe our perspective on the relationships that we have in our own life. Father, I want to pray for all those who have been hurt by community. For those who feel wounded. That they're not sure that they would want to step back into a situation where they would become vulnerable again. Father, would you draw near to them now? Refresh them. May your peace settle over their hearts right now. Lord, the pain that they've experienced. Lord, you are the great healer. You are the source. You're the one that never fails. God, I'm all in for you this year. I know you're all in for me. Thank you for letting me be a part of this community. Thank you for what you're about to do. Thank you that we can keep coming back to you, drawing close to the source, even when we've made a mistake. We haven't done the task right. We can paint over it because of your forgiveness, your grace, and your love. We are ready for a fresh start. And you're behind us all the way. Mm, Thank you, Father. God's people said.